0: Welcome to the MS Dev Show, episode number eight. This week, we talk with Windows Phone developer Anthony Russell about Battle Hack. Also, Apple's recent WWDC announcements, optimizing SQL Server for Azure, and Azure Service Bus Relay. Hello, Carl.
1: How's it going? Pretty good. Uh, You've been busy traveling again there, Jason, huh?
0: Yep, I was in Redmond all week, so uh, this is pretty much going to be your show. Most of the topics uh, are things that you brought up, but uh, I'm happy to be here.
1: All right, and uh, this week we have uh, a guest with us, uh, Windows Phone developer Anthony Russell.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, I know you. Uh, I know you have a little bit of background with him. At least um, I, I know you've seen him around, Carl, and uh, I know you've been talking about him for some time. You wanted to get him on the show, so it's uh, it's really great to have him on. So, welcome, Anthony.
2: Hello, how are you guys? Good,
0: good. good. W- weather is getting good, so it, <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah, definitely. So, um. Anthony, you know, I'll I'll do a little bit more in-depth intro here in just a little bit, but uh, let's jump into the news. And if you, uh, if you have any comments, you know, feel free to jump in.
2: Sounds good. Thanks.
0: So, Carl, what is the first story here? I see you found something.
1: Yep. So uh, there's a lot of Apple news this week. Uh, mm-hmm. They had WWDC and um, or whatever it's called. And mm-hmm. uh, there's a lot of developer news. It's developer-focused event for Apple. And uh, a lot of interesting things have come out of it. Uh, I, I think one of the biggest things is, they announced that there's a, a new language to uh, program their apps in uh, called Swift. Mm-hmm. Um, to me, what's kind of interesting is is uh, not being uh, an iOS developer, um, mm-hmm. seeing things like Xamarin come out in, in order to make uh, developing on iOS and Android easier, hearing people complain about how big of a pain Objective-C and Xcode is, it's interesting to see them come out with this language designed uh, to be easier for people to pick up and use.
0: Right. So Yeah. I think they, you know, I think they had a huge problem on their hands. I mean, people, people wanted to develop for, for iOS and objective C was a hurdle. It really wasn't, it didn't seem like a, a competitive advantage. It was just something that people put up with.
1: Yeah. I mean, there, there are a lot of developers, a lot of very successful people in their ecosystem, but I saw quite a few tweets this week. Now I don't, I don't have an excuse not to get into iOS development anymore. And I think that is kind of a bit of an indictment on objective C and their yeah. uh, previous tool set.
0: Yeah. I didn't have a, I didn't have really have any, you know, strong opinions on this either way, but I think that was, that's kind of a strong statement uh, that you mentioned there. You know, I think it sounds like objective C was a hurdle for, for quite a few people. And maybe this is what will um, let them, you know, get into the platform.
1: Yeah. And, uh, Unless you got anything else on there, the, the next couple of things kind of have a theme to them as well. Mm-hmm. So um really, m- nearly everything that they announced kind of almost had an SDK with it. So mm-hmm. uh one of the themes is, you know, Apple's kind of opening up the platform b- uh, before. One of the things that I, I never really liked about the platform is that you always had a, a feel like you're going in and out of an app. You, you go in an app, you go out right. to the main, you know, desktop area and you go back in an app. Well, now they're gonna. You know, I'm not sure exactly how this works, but they announced that there's gonna be cross-app communication. Mm-hmm. So they're gonna, you know, allow a bunch of APIs to uh, allow uh, communication to happen. Uh, something that Windows Phone already has, something that Android already has. So it's, you know, it's interesting seeing Apple in this catch-up mode.
0: Yeah, this this one is pretty significant. I, I'm not sure why they didn't have this before. I think you know part of it is they just need the they just needed the pressure to do it, but this. This cross-app communication. I mean, I I think this is targeted at, at these these uh, big applications that that were desktop apps. So really, if you think about iPad apps, um, you know, people converting desktop applications and iPad apps, I think it's really focused on that because you take this sort of monolithic application that that does a whole bunch of different things, and if you split that out into multiple applications, you have this big problem because they can't talk to each other. Um, so I am, you know, I haven't really dug into how this works, but yeah, if you can make calls you know into um you know methods of the of the other applications that that does open up some really interesting scenarios and it and it gives people the freedom now to to start to split these up into separate apps
1: yeah and 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 the next thing is really hitting right into the home of android is they're announcing that you can now make widgets okay so you know once again i'm not really sure how this is taking form because you know you know i'm not in a developer in this area but uh that's one of the huge thing that people that are into Android really enjoy is having the widgets out there. It's a very much similar thing in the Windows phone area, having the live tiles, having that active information out front on the desktop. So if uh, Apple gets a, a capability similar to this, I mean, once again, it seems like it's something they're playing catch up on, but it's something that people really want. And it's something that, you know, developers are going to take advantage of.
0: Okay. Did, does that um, does that actually work on their launcher or do you know where the the notifications actually show up?
1: I I don't know how that works, but uh, okay. Uh, we have a link uh, to an Ars Technica article that uh, in the show notes that you can take a look for yourself.
0: Okay, that'll be interesting to see how they do that because I think I think iOS. I I my guess is that they're probably a little jealous of the of live tiles and and also Android. You know, with the the Android widget system, I think the the Windows Phone tiles are a little bit easier to to use for for new users. Um, and I, I think they're just easier to manage in general, but, um, yeah, it'll be interesting to see, see what approach Apple takes. I think everybody is kind of going their own way now and, and trying to figure out what, how to make the best experience for users.
1: Yep. And the final thing that I have is third-party keyboards. Mm-hmm. Um, we saw even, you know, Windows phone with, uh, this newest release, uh, integrating the swipe like capabilities from Android and, uh, kind of, there was a, not universal, but there's quite a few people that complain that Apple didn't have the best keyboard. So now they'll have the ability for other people to make their own keyboards and bring them on.
0: Okay, yeah, because um, I think you know, I think we talked about this in a previous episode. But you know, Windows Phone took the took the world record there for a while, and I think that I think that was beaten recently. Did you hear anything about that?
1: Yes, it was. It was beaten by an, an Android app.
0: Yeah, I that, think it's it's just because of the flexibility of the Android platform, they were able to make something. Um, even quicker, yeah, even quicker. <laughs> but the the Windows Phone keyboard is amazing. So, so yeah, that'll be that'll be interesting to see um see how this works. Is that is that open? Can anybody come up with a keyboard then? It looks like it. Yes. Okay. Well, that'll be interesting and terrifying to see what happens there. <laughs> but also a, a potential
1: huge uh, advantage as well, because yeah. that that leaves Windows as the you know only major platform that doesn't have that capability at this point.
0: Yeah, it'll be interesting to see if if people start asking for this now. I don't I don't know if anybody was asking for it. Have you ever seen anything out on the Windows Phone user voice?
1: Um, I know before the integration of the swipe Lake, uh capabilities, that was one of the uh, yeah, top requests.
0: Them. Right, right, okay. Yeah, because I think that's really the reason why people want to swap in a third party keyboard. I I'm not aware of any other you know high performance keyboard that's that's really in great demand. I I don't know of anybody who wants to swap in you know a Dvorak keyboard as an example.
1: One of the additional API or things that you can supply with the keyboard is some of the uh, text prediction, especially if you have a language that's mm. not high on the support list.
0: I gotcha. Okay. So
1: you could enable that. Or if you wanted to have like a, uh, one of the things with Windows Phone is you actually, it takes a bit like if you wanted to curse mm-hmm. per se, you won't get that text prediction in there. So yeah. if you wanted, you know, some, you know, not normalized english you know or
0: whatever your i so i can picture it now i can picture you know all these these uh facebook kids that you know they they can't speak you know they can't type in in proper english yep. I, i'm picturing the keyboard that that like auto corrects to that <laughs> yep it's a you, language of its own
1: or you have it auto correct to pirate on talk like a pirate day or something
0: well that might be useful i could uh that'd be great if i could you know force that on somebody's phone okay um anything else about uh the apple wwdc news um no that was just kind of like the big highlights Um, okay i don't feel like i'm big
1: enough of an expert on it to go into detail but definitely Mm -hmm. something that we should all be aware of is what everybody else is doing
0: yeah i don't think anybody should be blind to the the, you know the rest of the ecosystem that's out there you know the other platforms uh they're doing interesting things i think like i said before everybody's got their own spin on on you know how they want want to approach this um you know ios i think their their biggest challenges right now is that you know they're they're just a they're an application launcher i really don't even see it as an operating system i i see it um you know it's finally been gaining some depth especially with ios 7 and now um ios 8 but if you look at something like windows phone or android the operating system has a ton of depth um Got some android news here what do we have here just give me one second or just send me a link okay nope, nope. i got gotcha. you so um what i wanted to talk about here this was actually from um a guy on my team his name is igor this guy is he's just incredible whenever it comes to any type of uh big data or databases you know sql server blob storage that's that's really his area of expertise and uh, we're going to put a link to this in the show notes. But he he wrote this amazing blog post out on um, MSDN.com on the the blogs out there. And what he does is he looks at a whole bunch of different storage methods uh, from the perspective of SQL Server. So uh, I think I've mentioned this before, but I'm gonna I'll go through it again. You can you know you can install SQL Server inside of a virtual machine within Azure, and you can. Uh, You know, whenever that, whenever that capability first came out, you would have, you know, just standard disks within an Azure virtual machine. And those disks were backed by blob storage. So basically, you know, SQL is writing out a local file. That file is, 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 you know, being written on a virtual disk, which is being translated into blob storage commands. And that worked pretty good. I mean, there were a lot of people that, that had a lot of success with that. Um, then what came next was, uh, you know, a feature within SQL 2014, whenever it released that would let SQL server talk directly to, uh, directly to blob storage without having going, having to go through that disc translation layer. And that was pretty huge because, you know, anytime you can remove those layers and have it go to a more native format, then you, you're getting rid of potential bottlenecks at, at different stages. So that was a pretty significant feature. And then recently we came up with this ability around uh, SMB shares. So you can basically create a Windows file share within a virtual machine and use that to store files. And you can use that for things, um, you know, if you want to share storage between virtual machines, you can do that as an example. Because two different machines can map the same storage. So what this article does is it kind of does a breakdown of how you set up each of these different types of storage. And it talks about some of the limitations of each one, and then it goes into a lot of the uh, pros and cons about how each of those works. So it's um, it's a it's an amazing article. I've never seen I haven't seen anything this in depth. You know, comparing um, you know all the different IOPS, the um, you know just all the different any any possible di- um, dimension by which you could compare these different technologies for for you know installing SQL Server in a VM. This covers it. So I would definitely check this out. If you're doing any, if you have any thoughts about installing, or if you're running SQL Server up in Azure, I would take a look at this. And even if you're not doing anything with uh, SQL Server, I would still take a look at this if you're using Azure at all, because it really gives you an in-depth view of, you know, how some of these storage technologies work up in Azure. So, yeah, I and it looks,
1: to... and it looks like at the end of the article, there's a really good pro and con list of, of each one, and and the table oh, totally. underneath underneath yeah. that, it, it really is a gives a pretty good overview of each technology and what its strengths and weaknesses are so you can really target what, what you're trying to do to the application that, uh, you're going to end up wanting to implement.
0: Yeah. I, I, this is just the post to look at if you're, if you're working with, with storage and you're, you want to evaluate some of the different ways of storing things.
2: I think this is great. Um, -hmm. I'm looking at the article right now and, you know, I think most developers, um, that work in our field, even, even professional, I mean, I do this Mm -hmm. day to day, uh, You know, I I work in SQL a lot, but, you know, I I, I don't get into it a lot of real I don't don't get into a lot of real depth stuff with SQL. I don't I don't, you know, weigh the pros and cons a lot of times. It's just, you know, basic, Mm -hmm. you know, CRUD operations here and there or whatever. Um, So having something like this uh, is not only nice for helping you make a decision, but it's educational, too, which is really, really beneficial.
0: Yeah, because, I mean, in in all honesty, we don't we don't want to have to worry about these things. We you know, I think from from our perspective, we have data that we want to store in our database and we don't really want to think about how it's stored and we don't want to have to worry about performance. So there's there's times that we have to whenever we talk about indexing and things like that. But, uh, you know, sometimes we have to worry about how do we actually just make SQL Server as efficient as possible whenever it's you know storing that underlying data. Absolutely. And uh, yeah, and this this article, I just I thought this this uh, blog post was just amazing. So I, I really lot- suggest everybody check it out.
2: I think a lot of developers don't uh, they don't take into consideration um, the uh, the weight of their calls. You know, they mm-hmm. they have you know ten entries in their database when they're testing, and you know it it, it takes a, a fraction of a second to run. But they they don't think about scaling. They don't think about you know how that call is going to operate once you hit you know ten million or you know two hundred million oh, entries. Yeah. So uh, you know to to have you, you, when you when you implement this stuff, you want to implement it right from the beginning. So it, it's really nice to have something like that.
0: Yeah, Carl and I probably had hours of discussions on on those just those topics because we were using a an agile process to to develop some software, and uh, we had you know a very strict definition of done, and it got to the point where the definition of done itself said, hey, if there are any queries involved in this, um, you know, you had to have used um, what is it? You had to run um, what is it? Analyze query within Management Studio, mm. and then also um, profiler. Run it, yeah, also profiler. And look at the actual SQL to generate, because we were using a, you know, an OR, ORM map or we were using link to SQL. So mm-hmm. the the link that you wrote in your code might look fine, but the translated SQL might be inefficient uh, yes. and it's not always obvious. So yes. we just we just had this rule that said, hey, you have to look at what's actually being generated and verify that that is what you think it is. And then also, you know, like I said, run that through SQL and have it, you know, analyze the performance so that whenever you do scale up, it's a non-issue. Yeah. Okay, um. So, you just heard Anthony Russell, and uh, so I wanted to give you a little bit more of an intro because uh, we want to talk to you in depth here. Sure. Um, so you're a Windows Phone developer in Northeast Iowa, and uh, we were Ohio. talking. Ohio. Oh, sorry, yeah. Ohio. I can't. I, like I can't defense. read. No offense. <laughs> <laughs> no problem. And uh, you had mentioned earlier that you're, you know, you're always looking to connect with other devs in the area. Yeah. Um, so that's that's great. I know there's some some events in the area, and we'll we'll talk about a little bit of that later. Um, I did want to point out, and we'll put a link to this in the show notes. So you currently have 16 apps in the store, and yes. um, what what was interesting about this list of apps is that I was looking through it, and 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 none of these are you know there's there's no um, you know there's no Angry Birds or Flappy Birds or anything like that in there. But what you have in there are a whole bunch of apps. I think that were you know, I think some of them at least were born out of necessity and they're, they're things that you normally don't think of. And I, I thought they were just very, very clever. For example, you have this one in here that that's called my cuts and it tells you, you know, it's for storing, uh, what type of haircut you had and, and, you know, all the related information of that. And I, I just really, I thought that was really great. Thank you. Yeah. So, uh, you know, I, I just think there's, I think there's a lot of opportunity for those types of apps to, to, you know, niches that people can pick up on. Um, yeah. And, and
2: yeah, you know, I think that's the problem that a lot of developers, um, a lot of indie developers make. That's, that's the main problem is they, they come into this and they say, I want to make the next angry birds or I want right. to make the next flappy bird or whatever. And you know, that's just unrealistic. Mm-hmm. Uh, it, it's unrealistic from the standpoint of an indie dev doing something like that. And it's unrealistic for, for anybody. I mean, nobody can predict, you know, you have these, these giant companies and they'll make, 20 30 titles before they'll have a giant hit
0: exactly so
2: um yeah you know to to come into that and being being unrealistic about it isn't helping anybody and in the end you're just going to get frustrated you're not going to get a ton of downloads um so yeah you know you want to a better way to do it is to focus in on a specific problem mm-hmm. um or or you know one of the, my my favorite games is i'll uh look at the android and iphone store and see you know where, you know, where their market is going and uh, what apps are excelling there. And then I'll, I'll compare it to the Windows phone market and see if we have the same problems, or if we have those apps at all. And mm-hmm. if we don't, then that's an instant target. Um, you know, or if they if we do have these apps, uh, look at your competitors and see what people are bellyaching about, you know, oh, you know, they might say, Oh, you know, this app is great for x, y, and z, but it, I really wish it had, you know, uh, s or t and you know, mm-hmm. that, that's where you come in and fill those holes.
0: Yeah, this is, I, I just, I just think this is, this is, uh, this is really neat what you've done here. And then this obviously gives you a lot of agility and experience. So, you know, whenever you do have the next big idea, you'll be able to move on it really quick. Cause you, you have the whole process under your belt and, uh, I, I bet you, you can go from conception of an idea to, um, you know, publishing in the store. I, I'm guessing that's, that's gotten pretty efficient for you at this point.
2: Oh yeah, absolutely. You know, and it's funny, you said it, it, it kind of hones you, mm-hmm. um, you know, I, I mentioned I, I, I'm i a full-time .NET developer. The way I became a full-time .NET developer was because I bought a book uh, a few years back. Mm-hmm. Uh, I didn't know anything about programming. I had never coded anything in my life. Um, and I bought a book, uh, C Sharp, in 24 hours. Mm-hmm. And within 30 days, I published my first Windows Phone app. Wow, that's um, great. And then, you know, a, a couple years later, I was well into my bachelor's degree in CIS. And then a year after that, uh, I got a full-time job where I'm at now. And, um, you know, it's just been, it's like dominoes. It's one thing after another. The whole reason I got the job though was because I was able to walk in there and show them, you know, these are the apps that I've done. Mm-hmm. And uh, I, you know, I just, I went through, uh, each little thing with the phone, you know, working with the accelerometer, working with the GPS, working with all the different sensors and I built an app for each and, uh, you know, I was able to take that in and show them and, uh, employers love that. So yeah, it's anybody that's, that's looking to break into the field. Building apps is an amazing way to do it.
0: Yeah, that's a good point. I know we talked about that before the show, you know, I mentioned, you know, I have an application that I'm going to be publishing and instead of charging 99 cents for it and making, maybe making a few hundred bucks, I I actually just want to put it out there for free and, uh, you know, I'd rather have reach more than, more than anything else and just get known and, um, you know, just be ready for opportunities, really big opportunities. Absolutely. So this is great. I have a lot of respect for, for anybody who's actually, you know, able to, to get through this whole process, especially multiple times like this. So that's, that's, you know, a hundred times farther than, than most people get.
2: Well, you know, the, the trick is, um, just, you know, I, I mentioned to you before the show, I, am prior military. So, uh, mm-hmm. organization is kind of part of my life. I'm border, probably have borderline personality disorder, OCD, <laughs> uh, from the military, but um it, it works out it it actually plays in my favor because the the more planning you do uh, uh, you know you'll do a lot less coding it's right. really surprising uh if you plan out you know a proper a good data structure and you you know you understand um you know how your database is going to talk to your app mm-hmm. and um all the objects and you know it, you take the time to plan out what models you're going to have and what your view is going to look like. Um, you know, you you take that time, and then when you go to write the app, it just it just flows. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and you know, another good thing that it helps is uh, it, it helps identify your weak spots as a developer. So, um, so I, I love to use develop. Um, it, I, I don't know who they're working for now. I don't know if they're still working for Nokia or if they work for Microsoft now. But I, uh, you know, I
0: yeah, I to- they they came over to Microsoft.
2: So so yeah, I love this site, right? And they always post. Um, They always post these great challenges, Uh, but, you know, no developer knows how to do everything. So whenever I look at their bullet points on what the app needs to do, uh, I use that to identify my weak spots and I can go out and learn that, you know, prior to uh, taking on the app and it it makes it, makes it so much easier.
1: Mm -hmm. One of the things that I really like about the develop site is they've got challenges where like, Hey, upgrade your app with this feature or that feature. And. If you already are experienced, but maybe you just want to get those points, you'll, you'll learn how to do that. But at the same time, if, if you're a developer, you know how to code, but you don't know what to do. They do have those fully fleshed out, full specs Absolutely. that you can then go implement. And it looks like you just released uh, an app that was based on one of those.
2: I did. Um, I, I noticed that they, uh, posted a bunch of summer challenges, one being the 4th of July challenge. Um, And, you you know, we were just talking about identifying your weak spots. I knew how to do most of the app, but I didn't have a really good um, Facebook and Twitter integration built. So uh, this app allowed me to uh, build a boilerplate generic uh, Twitter, 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 (laughs) Twitter, Twitter, Facebook integration um, and Facebook, uh, Twitter and Facebook integration that I can call from any app. So, uh, you know, I have that built now. I understand how OAuth works. Uh, and now when I go to apply it into my apps, it's literally one line of code, you know, it's, uh, just, you know, initialize, uh, the connection, make sure they're, they're logged in and, uh, then send off the tweet or the the Facebook posts. Um, and it's very easy, but yeah, I, I, I built all that based on that, uh, develop challenge.
0: Okay. That sounds a lot like exercising, like you're, you're, you're sort of isolating and working those muscles that, you know, you didn't necessarily know you had. And then, uh, you know, at the end of the day, you're you know, all your muscles are strong and you're able to, to put together something really world class.
2: Absolutely. Because I mean, let's, let's be clear here. It's not about, um, for me, at least it's not about making a million dollars from the app store. I mean, I would right. love to, but you know, 1% of 1% of 1% of the developers are going to be millionaires. I exactly. mean, that's the the overwhelming majority of us are probably not going to, uh, have a life altering uh, app released on the market. And, and I've accepted that, um, what this is about. And what it should be about for 99% of the developers out there is education. It should be, um, you know, this is a, uh, this is an environment where you can go try something new, where you can try. Um, new architectures where you can, you can get your feet wet in MBVM if you haven't worked with it before, or you can try out link or you can, uh, practice working with web services and you don't have to worry about getting fired. You know, your boss isn't going to come down and, and, and complain that you spent 10 hours, you know, trying to get, uh, you know, uh, the Newton soft JSON deserializer to work or, you know, learning how, um, dynamic objects work. Uh, you know, it, it's a really great environment. And, and guess what? Once you finish it, then that's one more skill that you can you can throw into your toolbox. It's one more tool for your toolbox. So when you go into your boss and that promotion's coming up, you know you can say, "Hey, you know I've I've gone out on, on my own. You know you didn't have to pay for this. I went out on, on my own and I learned how to do uh you know how how to use regex and how to use uh you know link. So you know that's what that's what indie indie developers should be looking at when they think about apps.
1: Yeah. So we're talking about like exercising your weak spots. Um, Moving on kind of a little bit to our next topic. You're also involved with something called battle hack. Now is, is, can you tell us a little bit about this and uh, what it is, what's involved and what it takes to get started?
2: Sure. So um, I actually do a ton of hackathons. Uh, Battle hack just happens to be one of them. Um, Now when you say involved, I I go to them. I I don't actually work with them at all. Uh, PayPal. Ah, uh, they host this uh, hackathon, this international hackathon called Battle Hack, and they host it all over the world. Um, and it, it, I believe it's battlehackhack.org or something along those lines. If you Google Battle Hack or Bing Battle Hack, you'll find it. Uh, this year, I competed in Toronto uh, just a couple of weeks ago, and I'm, uh, we got defeated there. So <laughs> we're going to go try our hand again uh, in Chicago at the end of this month. Um, so basically, the idea of Battle Hack, it's it's this really great program. Um, I'm actually I'm actually very very pleased that PayPal did this. This shows a a ton of initiative on their part. Mm -hmm. Um, They created this hackathon and they put up a cash bag of $100,000. And uh, they go around all over the world and they throw this competition in different cities and they say, "Uh, you only have two requirements. You have to integrate the PayPal API in some way, and you have to help your community. If you do those two things, then you can you know, compete for a hundred thousand dollars. And if you don't do these two things, most specifically the helping your community, then you're not going to get anything. And, uh, this is great because it, it's really reaching out to all these people in our community and, and letting it in giving incentive, incentivizing, uh, creating donation apps and creating, uh, you know, things to help the homeless. Um, and this is what we need. We really do need these things in our community. And it's, uh, it's uh, not platform specific. You can go in there and, and do whatever you'd like. Um, last year, last October, uh, I did one that was for Windows Phone, WPF, and Arduino. Uh, I took a team that did that. We had we actually had two Arduino solutions. Um, and then this year we did a Windows Phone specific one. And then uh, I can't tell you about the one coming up, but it's going to be great. And it's um, a <laughs> platform.
1: All right, is there any like, additional specific rules like I, i'm sure you can't come with a half-coded project or anything
2: well of course yeah so the spirit of the competition is that you do all the coding there they give you a 24-hour block to uh it's usually from like 1 p.m to 1 p.m uh to create the best thing that you can and if you come in with something really polished they're, they're gonna assume that you did it ahead of time and it's probably not gonna <laughs> it's not gonna result well for you um and i mean it, it really doesn't have to be well polished it's really more about originality Um, how you integrated the PayPal API and how you're helping somebody, you know, if you're, uh, if you, you know, the, the team that beat us last year in Washington, DC, um, they had a really great idea. Uh, they were helping homeless people, uh, get meals. So they had this idea where you could sponsor a homeless person and then they would be able to go into a restaurant and, uh, eat food that you've bought for them. And I thought that was really great. Mm Um, and then uh this year, uh, I forget who the winning team was. I think they came up with a, a a device that crowdsourced uh finding lost children. It was it was really great. Um we saw a, a ton of great ideas this year. Um I I love going to these things and I love competing. Competing is in my blood. Um it, it's just something I love to do. Uh, but I don't mind getting beat at these because I know that the people that beat me, um I, I know that they're coming up with a great idea that's gonna help. You know, hopefully, help somebody in the future. So uh, it's kind of a, a bittersweet loss.
1: Now, you mentioned that you have a team that you go with. Now, some of our listeners they may be interested in this, but it's just themselves. Is there a way to meet people while you're there, or is this something where you kind of do have a team?
2: Yeah, so um, you don't have to have a team. Uh, every competition I go to, we uh, we usually mix up the teams. I, I don't think I've ever had the same team twice. Uh, but uh, yeah, you can either create a team ahead of time uh, for battle hack, or you can create a team while you're there. Uh, when you go there, they have a sign-in form, and you list your uh, strengths and weaknesses. And uh, you, they give you time prior to the hack to go around and choose party members. Um, and usually, you want to find somebody that you don't want you know, uh, a class specific or a class heavy team. You don't want like all engineers or all designers. You want you know uh, different classes for everyone. And how that's big, what we do when we we design our teams as well?
0: Yeah, how big is a team?
2: Uh, for battle hack, I think the max is four. That's the, okay. that's the max size, okay. and obviously you can go by yourself if you'd like. I don't think I've done one by myself yet, though.
0: Yeah, I would think you'd want. I would think most teams would be probably four people, right?
2: Well, so yeah, um, I don't know if you guys have heard of the mythical man hour, right? Yeah, uh, but so you don't want a ton of chefs in the kitchen, especially if they're all alpha chefs. Um, you want you know you, you definitely need some Indians and. Um anybody that likes going to these competitions, you know, they, they tend to be the alpha mindset. So you, you have to weigh weigh you know, uh, what you want to accomplish and who's going to do what. Uh, that's why we form our teams ahead of time. So we walk the line of uh, what you're allowed to do ahead of time. Uh, we will come up with our idea ahead of time. We will uh, design on a whiteboard, um, you know, maybe our data structure and you know the name you know uh, how the the database is going to look and um, we'll assign who's going to do what, so when we get there, when that, when that you know, gong strikes, they use a gong for battle hack. When that gong strikes, mm-hmm. um, I know that, you know, team member A is going to work on the web service layer and, you know, team member B, he's going to start working on the views immediately. And, you know, I need to do X, Y, and Z. So uh, there's not a lot of stepping on each other. Whereas if you form a team, when you get there, um, I, I've walked, you know, every now and then I'll go up and get a glass of water and hear, you know, five Four or five hours in, here, people still arguing what their idea is about, <laughs> mm-hmm. and uh, you know you you only have twenty four hours, and it sounds like a long time, but it's not, and it it's tough. So you definitely want to get it ahead of time.
0: Yeah, me and Carl will be the ones arguing on the team. <laughs>
2: oh, it never fails. Well, that's just because we like arguing, but yeah, oh, of course.
0: Oh, we could do that ahead of time though, Carl. We could do like twenty four hours of arguing and then twenty four hours of coding. <laughs>
2: <laughs> that's the best way to do it, right?
0: Yep. Yep. Yeah, so, um, I was following you on Twitter,
1: uh, during your last one. And I think about 18 hours in, you had this vine of you just dead tired. Do you uh, have any, do you have any advice for, you know, how to get through those long hours or how to, how to stretch it. So your team's being productive the entire time.
2: I can't believe you saw that. Uh, <laughs> yeah, it's, uh, it, it can get exhausting. Um, usually we mix it up. It depends. Um, it depends who's on your team. And I, I hate I am trying to tap dance around this. You have to be in shape. Okay. If you're in shape, then you're going to do well. Um, a lot of developers don't consider that uh, when they do these hackathons, uh, you, you have to be physically fit. Um, you have to be able to be see- sleep deprived. If you're, you know, if you're out of shape or you're, um, you know, you, you can't stay up for long hours. You can't work for, you know, long extended periods of time. Uh, it, for those of you that don't code, believe it or not, coding can be stressful. <laughs> once you, once you break like the 18, 19 hour mark, um, <laughs> Yeah. You know, uh, you you gotta be in shape. So anybody that wants to do these things, I highly, highly suggest, uh, getting a good cardio routine. Um, when I do cardio, I like to, uh, I like to do something else while I run. So sometimes I'll listen to an ebook or, uh, I don't know if you've, uh, if you know about lumina, uh, lumosity, if you've ever seen that site, uh, sometimes I'll do lumosity while I work out, uh, just anything that works your brain while you're, uh, getting cardio on, uh, just so you get in that that ability to to act and, and think and be rational in a stressful environment. Um, otherwise, once three four a.m. hits, uh, you're going to be exhausted and doing circular code and just you know, just not being productive.
0: Yeah, you said this. This starts at one p.m. I mean, that's got to be rough because it's not like it's starting at nine. It's not going nine a.m. to nine a.m. It's going one to one. Yeah. So you've already been up for hours.
2: Absolutely, because it it you, the gates open at nine. And you want to be there early because they always give away door prizes. So, yeah. uh, you know, we end up waking up at like 7 a.m. usually and checking out of the hotel and then yeah. go to uh, going to the event. So, yeah, you end up doing much more than 24 hours. Uh, and then we usually drive home right afterwards, too. So, <laughs> it's, uh, so we, <laughs> Ouch. Uh, like we had a five hour drive back from Toronto uh, and there's going to be six from Chicago. So, yeah, you got to be you got to be ready for it. It's It's not easy.
0: Well, on the upside, like you said, you don't have to pay for the hotel that night.
2: <laughs> yeah, yeah, that is, that is the good thing. You only have to pay for one night of hotel. That, that is and and usually, you know the battle hacks. Um, I, I mentioned them. I, I've been to a lot of hackathons, uh, but by far the battle hack is the best. Okay, I, this crew, this PayPal crew, um, they I, I, they need a promotion or something. They uh, they do an amazing show. You'll go there. Uh, it's fully catered. It's a free event. It's fully catered. Uh, they have an open bar, you get masseuses, um, they do oh, wow. tons and tons of prizes. Uh, I, I mean, the list goes on. The The entire event and the atmosphere is just a blast. Um, I, I highly suggest to anybody that wants to get involved with it, even if you're uh, not really uh, think you're a competitor or whatever, just come and check it out. It's, a, mm-hmm. it's so much fun. And I mean, I want to make it clear, I don't work for PayPal, I have no affiliation with them. This is my true feelings. I, I mean, I love going to it. It's such a great time.
0: Yeah, you're you're getting me excited about this. I see. Yeah, I see it's coming up here in Chicago, which is about three hours for me. Here at no, the end of go. June,
2: you should absolutely go. It's it's going to be so much fun.
0: Yeah. Wow. Yeah, I'm getting I'm getting a little excited about this. This sounds really cool. Yeah, it sounds like they go out of their way to make everybody feel like a rock star.
2: They really do. They really do. They'll have uh, they have camera crews that come around and interview all the teams, and uh, you know, everyone gets uh, time up on the stage to to express your idea, and you get to meet all the judges and. Um, you know, you never know. there might be scouts in the crowd if you're looking for a job. Uh, I'm sure there is uh, you know scouts out there looking for uh, some talent, some hidden talent. So if you have any type of idea that uh, you want to you know get out there, then I, this is definitely the place to do it.
0: what uh, what language are people usually using for this? Does it vary or is it a specific uh, coding language?
2: So yeah, um, being in shape is just one of the aspects of a good uh, competitor at these events. Um, you don't want to come here and just know one language. I mean, you can obviously yeah. come here and just know one language, but uh, you know, people that go to these things, they're 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 not just focused in one area. They, you know, like me personally, uh, just at our last event, I did uh, MySQL, I did PHP, I did uh, some JavaScript, I did some .Net, you know, some C Sharp. Uh, XAML, obviously, um, you know, we, we, we work across the board. Uh, if you're not well-versed in multiple languages, then it's going to be way more difficult for you uh, to, to get into this. Cause you never know what might come up or uh, what you need to integrate with. And uh, it can be, a, it can be a challenge if you're not, if you're not well-versed in a few languages.
0: Okay. But this might even be a great way to, to, you know, start. If you have just sort of a high level understanding of another language, Uh, this might give you a great opportunity to to really get a jumpstart on that too.
2: Absolutely. Yeah. You know, uh, it's a great way to break into things. I was actually talking to one of the team members uh, from the last hack and uh, we were kind of bumming out in the car that we lost, but uh, we were saying, you know, one of the advantages to doing these things is we always learn something new. Um, And I mean, he's been doing it longer than I have professionally. Mm -hmm. And uh, you know, it's, it never ceases to amaze me that whenever you go to these things, you always learn something new. Um, and that's, that's really the the real benefit of it is that uh, you're constantly improving your skills because if you're not moving forward in this field, you're, you're moving backwards.
0: Okay. Yeah. Cause I, um, you know, I, I, I know I've mentioned it before on this show before, and I'm, I'm still working on a, a blog post around this, but you know, this, this whole, you know, hack fest mentality, I I'm really trying to get companies to start thinking like this, you know, this, this one is, is sort of a, a side thing, you know, this battle hack where, you know, I think you have a great time doing it and there's a whole bunch of benefits there, but I see a lot of benefits themselves. I mean, in this case, PayPal's, you know, obviously benefiting from this. Um, they're getting people to really think about their API and their platform. But I think that, uh, a lot of companies out there can get, you know, take a lot of cues from this and say, okay, how can we, how can we get all of our developers, you know, sort of out of the day, day-to-day routine, get them into this other room And spend X amount of time for X amount of days, just, just exploring and just, just really just opening up, you know, the, you know, the floodgates as far as creativity and and learning and, and see what works and see what types of things that we can do in the future. And then, you know, it's okay to, to throw half of that away and, and just take, you know, just pick out the, the good parts that, uh, that came out of it.
2: Absolutely. Yeah. You know, um, our field is not full of robots and Mm -hmm. you don't want a company full of robots Uh, You want develop, and I know there are a lot of software companies out there that do just want robots, and those are the ones that you don't see uh, innovating, and those are the ones you don't see uh, having, you know, uh, you know, top five software in their in their sector. Um, You want engineers that are uh, constantly innovating and constantly wanting to do things better and the right way. Uh, So yeah, yeah, absolutely. These events uh, drive innovation, and they drive. uh exploration and education into uh new new parts of our field um i would love to meet the developer that knows absolutely everything there is to know about software developing um it, it's just you'll never find him uh, except maybe uh john Skeet uh, on no, i don't know if you know him <laughs> yep yep it's it's hard uh, he might know everything
0: <laughs> like, well uh, what's amazing about john is that he's not a c sharp developer by day
2: uh, but he knows he,
0: yeah but he's, he's the like, c sharp guy
2: yeah <laughs> Um, I always uh, see him on Stack Overflow, and uh, if you ever see him answer anything, you just you just assume just automatically assume that that's the correct answer because <laughs> yeah, uh, he's he's definitely he definitely knows the stuff. But uh, yeah, you know, outside of maybe him, uh, you know, it's hard to find a developer that knows just absolutely everything the every in and out. So uh, the, you want your developers doing things like this and innovating and learning.
1: Yeah. In fact, the company that I work for, we um, do several hackathon related things. Um, we have an, an internal division that's just focuses on learning those new things. And usually once a year, they schedule a two day hackathon to really flesh out what's new and upcoming. And then we also do what's called a give camp. And that's where, you know, we find uh, an, an organization, a, a nonprofit or something that's in need of, you know, something that we can you know help them develop. And we, you know, help them get a website, some mobile apps together, and nice. really just, and so you know, we we do both, you know, one for ourselves to learn and to get better, and just get that camaraderie, but two also to give back to the community as well. So that's a, it's it's a great way to learn those skills and, and help uh, your local community as well.
2: Absolutely, that's super important to get out there. I, I'm actually trying to plan something right now. Um, I can't give too many details away, but I'm trying to uh start something right now uh to get people uh, more involved with their local community because that's something that we're really missing on the Windows phone uh in, in our ecosystem mm-hmm. our local apps you know everybody wants to build the next Skype app or the next whatever app um but they don't they don't think about you know the mom and pop store down the road uh that may not have the money to hire a developer but would sure love to have an app for their store or their business so um we we definitely need to get more involved in that yeah it- and even
1: some of the simpler things i mean they may not need a full time developer that, but they just need to know that tools like app studio exist where they yeah. can go onto the website and have it spit them out an application that's already pretty
2: customized absolutely and that's only helping our ecosystem in the long run um you know get make the windows phone uh, another place for uh, recovering iphone and android users to turn to yeah but, uh, and you know one more quick thing that i wanted to mention on the hackathon topic um you know, you mentioned that PayPal is, is, uh, creating awareness about their product. Mm-hmm. Um, but one thing that is, isn't quite as apparent that they're doing is they're also bug testing. Um, they're bug, bug testing all of their stuff because you have all these developers coming in and, you know, every, every single hackathon they do, they integrate it in a hundred different ways. And, uh, we actually helped them, uh, fix the, uh, Windows phone API or, or, you know, or SDK, um, at this last one, it was broken. We couldn't figure out why. So, We disassembled, we used uh, ILDASM and took apart the DLL and realized that uh, their endpoint was uh, shut down. And because we couldn't get it to work, we didn't know why. So uh, because of that hackathon, they got free bug testing, which, you know, uh, fixed their endpoint. Mm -hmm. Uh, And and I think that companies should look at it that way as well. Uh, Of course, you might have your own internal QA, but there might be something they're not thinking about. Um, and, and this is definitely a great way to, uh, get it into, you know, get it into some developer's hands that are going to break your stuff. And that's what we want. Uh, so we can make more secure software.
0: Yeah, we, uh, we had something similar happen. We were in a hack fest and we found a bug in, uh, in, in one of our products. And that was, uh, you know, that was very useful to be able to pass that on. And then also being able to just pass on, you know, general feedback saying, Hey, here was the project we did. And, you know, while this worked good, we we wish that this other thing worked like this. And I'm like, Oh, well, that's that's good feedback. So, you know, I, I could see, I could see the the value to everybody involved in, in this type of project.
2: Absolutely.
1: Uh, one additional thing that you mentioned uh, right before we got started is that you recently started a uh, local users group in your area.
2: Yeah. So, um, out here in Northeast Ohio, we, uh, don't have a ton of programs for developers. And, uh, I, I, recognize that we have kind of a, uh, a melting pot of engineers here. Uh, a lot of people don't realize that, um, the company I work for, Highland Software, uh, we have a giant, uh, amount of developers here in Westlake, Ohio, which is just west of Cleveland. Uh, but we also have, uh, you know, um, Case Western Reserve, uh, which has an amazing CIS department. We have Cleveland State University. Uh, which has an amazing CIS department. Um, Sherwin Williams—they're out here. They have a huge developer department. Uh, there, there's a ton of software companies right here. Uh, so I figured it would be great if we could get a user group running that would uh, try and build that and you know build on that. So I started the Ohio Mobile Developers User Group, and uh, we meet every month at uh, at, at uh, Highland Software in one of our uh, auditoriums. Uh, it's not sponsored by Highland. Uh, it's sponsored by uh, Pluralsight and Telerik. They're our official sponsors. Um, uh, but Highland does let us use their their auditorium, which is very nice of them. Uh, but yeah, we meet every month. We have about 70 members right now. And uh, every single month, we go over different platforms. So we have uh, iOS and Android and uh, Windows Phone. Last month, I hosted a, a Windows Phone meetup. And this month, we are going to do uh, Breaking into iOS. So uh if anybody's in the area and they're interested in learning about iOS, we have a uh uh we have uh oh and, and the people that host this, they're they specialize in these fields. So uh we have an iPhone developer, we have an Android developer, and then I'm the Windows Phone developer. Uh so there's specific people that you can come and ask questions to. Uh and, and the best part is it's free. Uh you come out, you get to mingle with other developers, and uh, you know, you have a great time there's usually food there and learn something new.
1: Excellent. That, that sounds like it's a, a little bit of a work, but definitely well worth it.
2: Oh, yeah. Yeah, it, it, it's, uh, it was a bit of a bear to set up, but now that it's rolling, um, it's actually surprising. It's kind of just taken uh, – it's, it's grown some legs of its own, and it's kind of taken off. So uh, I'm just excited to see other people in the area that are um, passionate about development uh, like I am.
1: Excellent. Is there anything else that you want to talk about, any of your apps or anything else that you're doing?
2: So, uh, yeah, you know, uh, you can look me up in the store, uh, in the Windows Phone store. I always publish under the uh, publisher name RT Apps. Uh, mm-hmm. And you can find me on Twitter. Uh, it's uh, Anthony Russell, the uh, zero, or the O and Anthony is a zero. Uh, I'm always posting about something. Uh, usually I do, uh, uh, I, I have a tech blog that I write on, uh, anthonyrussell.info. Uh, and I post things on there about Windows Phone and doing Arduino hacks and there's always something something fun popping up on there. And, and you might be able to get in on, I, I'm going to be giving away a Lumia 920 here uh, in the next couple of weeks, or I'm going to be doing a contest to give away one. So uh, if you're interested in winning a free $200 Windows phone, uh, add me on Twitter and maybe you'll see the contest pop up and you can get in on it.
1: All right. Um, One last thing that we want to ask you about is uh, recently you published an app called Cornet. Um, I think yeah. that, that might be pretty interesting. when you want to tell us a little bit about that?
2: Yeah, so uh, the idea behind Cornet, um, it, it's kind of a spinoff of uh, Fiddler. I don't know if you know, if you're familiar with Fiddler by uh, yep. Yep. but Telerik owns it now. Uh, I saw Fiddler and I love using it. I use it all the time. Uh, it's, it just sits on the wire and uh, pulls traffic, and uh, it's kind of a it's kind of a nice way to to use uh, or to do web development. Um, and I thought that that was something that was missing on the Windows Phone, so. I, I tried to narrow it. I mean, obviously you, you can't do everything that you have in Fiddler um, with the Windows Phone, uh, but you can do a lot of it. So uh, I found some web services that uh, do DNS things for you, like DNS Lookup and uh, like a Whois and all that stuff, and uh, pinging and Traceroute, all that stuff. Uh, I built that into this app, uh, but that wasn't enough. So I also built a uh, a source code editor so what you can do is if you open up my app uh, you can browse to a web page your web page probably and uh, that you're working on and you uh, you can hit pull the sort or pull source code and it will pull all the source code into an, a live editor where you can uh, search for specific lines of code or keywords and you can modify them right there and then you can run it in a, in a, in a browser right there on the phone. Uh, and where this comes in handy is if, uh, you, know, you, you, pu- you know, maybe your boss calls you and said, hey, we're having a problem with X, Y, or Z. Uh, can you take a look at the source code? So you pull the, you know, you, you navigate to the site, you're on the road, maybe you're in the bus, on the bus or whatever. Uh, you navigate to the site, you pull the code, and you can, you can help identify errors while you're on the go. And uh, it's the, the only thing of its kind right now on the Windows phone. Um, so uh, I'm hoping that uh, people send me some feedback on it and tell me what you'd like to see. I'm already getting some great feedback from people, and uh, I I keep rolling those in updates. So if you see something you'd like, uh, please feel free. There's feedback feedback forms built right into the app. Uh, Shoot me an email, and uh, I will do my best to put in what you'd like.
0: I'm installing it right now, so I'll be checking it out. I'll definitely get you some feedback. Oh, no. (laughs) (laughs) I'll try to keep it positive, though. Carl knows I'm a very positive guy.
2: Yeah, I, I got one of the, plenty of the uh, one-word feedbacks on uh, on the Windows Store. So, uh, preferably more than more than this sucks or uh, you know go <laughs> die or
0: something like that. <laughs> no, no, I uh, no, I'm I'm pretty good at crashing applications. So if there's any bugs, yes, I'll is. find them. <laughs> oh, awesome! I, I was always the the final line of uh, QA defense. Oh, and, nice. Uh, no, I'll I'll try it out because I, I I like these uh, these type of utility apps like this. So I'm gonna. I'm installing it right now. I'll check it out. Um, this is, this is very cool though. Awesome. Very I would forward app- to
2: the feedback. You know, it's, it's funny. Um, most of all, you know, all developers, we're all narcissistic. We all think that, uh, what we build, you know, walks on water. Uh, and we forget a lot of times to build things for users and not for us. Um, and I, I, I got, uh, schooled by somebody recently who, uh, told me that you know it, it's like I didn't think about design at all when I built that. Uh, mm-hmm. So I went back and I, I put in their suggestions, and they were very happy. Um, so yeah, please, please send any any feedback you'd like. Uh, I'm always looking forward to hearing a, uh, a hear from a user standpoint.
1: Yeah, and that's another good point too. Is just incorporating that feedback. It's nice when you get that that way versus in the store where it's on a bad review. Um, one of my apps, one of the first reviews was that. Um, hey, you don't let me customize the color on this, and I should have. I went back and did it, but now I have no way of because it happened via store review and not via feedback form. I have no way of getting back to him saying, "Hey, are you happy with this now? Is this work the way that you expect it to?"
2: Absolutely, yeah. So uh, one of the things that you know I've learned, uh, we spoke before the show about uh, a well-known developer, Atlee Hunter. Um, and, you know, I one thing I've learned from him and from a lot of the uh, Nokia ambassadors, I guess they're Mike, Microsoft ambassadors now, but, uh, you know, uh, like Atley Hunter and Nick Landry and Lance McCarthy, and Rich Dunbar, all these guys. Um, by the way, if you're a Windows phone developer and you're out there and you're just you're blowing in the wind and you don't know about these people, you need to go find them. Uh, there are these developers out there and they used to be called Nokia ambassadors. I don't know what they're doing, uh, what they're going by now, mm-hmm. but I guarantee they still exist, that they didn't go away. Um, these people are, there's one for uh, everyone in the community. So uh, like mine is Lance McCarthy. He covers most of uh, Northeastern the United States uh, and also uh, 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 Nick Landry. He's uh, out here as well.
1: And, and um, if you're in our area in Wisconsin and uh, Northern central U S and uh, most of Canada, it's Atlee Hunter.
2: There you go. Yeah. Atlee uh, he's a great guy. He was actually on our team in Toronto. He joined us on the Toronto team uh, okay. for the battle hack. Um, Great guy, very knowledgeable. Uh, if you are an indie developer and you don't know these people, you need to reach out to them because they will help you. Uh, Atley taught me something uh, really good. Um, he cranks out apps. This guy's got a ridiculous <laughs> amount of apps on the market. And I asked him, I'm like, how do you do this? And he told me that uh, if you're writing code more than once, then you're doing something wrong. Uh, so he, he taught me to, to build like a boilerplate uh, code project where I stick like an about page in there. And I'll put like a, I created a free DLL that's available on my on my tech blog uh, called Easy ISO, and it helps people uh, do isolated storage calls. I put that in there because these are things that I integrate into every single app. Um, I I put a, a Facebook integration and a Twitter integration in there. So now every single app that I build, all I have to do is import that that one project, and I instantly have all this functionality. Um, if you do this, you're going to see your development time just. Just go way down uh, it, it's It's amazing the return on investment that you get out of this. Uh, and, and I can't believe that I was writing code, you know the same exact code over and over and over again. Mm-hmm. Uh, this This is definitely the way to do it. so uh, please, please, if you uh, reach out to these uh, ambassadors, they will help you and they will guide you and, and get you on the right track.
0: Yeah, they are pretty amazing. I, I talked to I had the the um, opportunity to talk to uh, Atlee about a year ago and you know i spent about an hour with him and i think he had like 50 things that you know whenever you hear him they're they're sort of obvious but they're not things that you think of until you know you you do something like he's done where you've written 100 apps and you just really thought about it from from every possible direction and um yeah this guy he, he definitely has the he's mastered just cranking out apps i think uh you know, if he was at that, that hack fest and you know, you guys have 24 hours, he's probably like, wait, 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 we're supposed to only do one app. Yeah.
2: Well, actually, You know, it's funny. You mentioned that we, we actually built two apps, uh, for our entry. Okay. He built, he built one of them <laughs> <laughs> and, and my team, the rest of my team and I built the other one. Yeah. Uh, his development, uh, abilities are just ridiculous. And like you said, it, it's funny. It's, uh, it's things that you would think are obvious um, that, you know, you wouldn't want to code over and over and over again. But for some reason, we all do. Mm-hmm. Uh, and he just uh, he wraps it all up into a nice little package. And uh, whenever he starts a new app, uh, he just, you know, imports it and it's it's done. Uh, and that's 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 the best way to do this.
0: Yeah. Yeah. The, uh, we had an episode, uh, it was two episodes ago. It was episode number six, I think with Jason short and he had some, some really good tips. Um, those are really some quality in depth tips, but, uh, yeah, we should definitely get somebody. We'll have to get somebody like at Leon where, where we can really go through like the full list. You know, there's probably 50 different items that somebody like that can talk about.
2: Oh yeah. Yeah. I, I wouldn't doubt it. I, I was laughing because, um, I, 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 I was trying to figure out how to... Uh, I, I was having this problem. When you create a, uh, a, list, box, a list box template mm-hmm. for its items, uh, when you bind uh, to it, it, you can't really... Uh, it, I, I don't know how to explain this. The, uh, the text bo- if you put a text box in there, uh, and that's the only thing in the, in the list box, um, you get two backgrounds when you click on it. You get the background of the text box, and you get the background of the list box item. Mm-hmm. And uh, it's not intuitive on changing the list box item's background. Uh, so I figured it out. I, I spent some time and I, I sat down and uh, I figured out how to do it on the windows phone on, in the, uh, in WPF, it's pretty straightforward, but on the windows phone, it's, it's a little bit of a different path. So I wrote a blog post about it and, uh, I sent it to Atley, and he was laughing. He, he told me there's a much easier way to do it. And, uh, he, he told me in about 30 seconds, uh, that the only thing you really have to do is just throw the text box in a grid and <laughs> And then, you know, it'll stretch out and you just set it that way. And it just blew my mind because I, I didn't even consider it from that standpoint. I was trying to change the box items background. And, uh, yeah, the guy, he just has a remarkable amount of experience.
0: Right.
1: Uh, any other questions there, Carl? Nope. I think we got most of them all wrapped up.
0: Okay. So, uh, on up next, I want to talk about our Azure pick of the week. Um, so the technology I want to talk about in Azure this week, and this should be pretty quick is the uh, service bus relay. So this is sort of a hidden service in Azure. Um it's hidden under the you know, the service bus functionality. And what this does, this this solves a a, a real problem that I've run into quite a bit in the past. So here's the scenario. you have some WCF services that are hosted behind a firewall, so you have, You know, a service that's that's, you know, within some type of facility, it could be, um, you know, any standard, you know, business hosting a WCF service locally inside the application IT does not want to open up those firewalls. They don't want to, you know, create a security risk by just allowing anybody to come along and and call that uh, that API, those those services. So what this does is it's a, it, it gives you a different binding for your WCF service. So the WCF service actually makes an outbound call to Azure and it actually holds open that connection and then makes that service available up in Azure so that you can, uh, you know, call into that service using, you know, basically a public address uh, through Azure that gets proxied down to that service. It's sort of hard to describe without being able to draw something on a whiteboard. But again, what it solves is that problem of a service being hidden behind a firewall that you need to connect into. And this will allow Azure to act as a relay so that you can proxy those calls down into that service. So it's one of those things where you know you might run into this situation and you're not quite sure how to solve it. And it's just a good tool to have in your in your toolbox. And you know, I said that it's only WCF services, but if you're if you're in control of, of both ends of that equation, if you're hosting a service within a firewall and you need to connect to that service if you don't want to use WCF you can actually you know build some kind of protocol on top of WCF which might not be as bad as it sounds so you could you can do things like make web API calls on top of uh, WCF and you know so you can write some code one time and make it so that you can um, call into those Uh, so this is this is actually this is one of my favorite Azure services that not a lot of people use and not a lot of people know about but it's uh, it's extremely useful and it's you know, the costs are, are really minimal. I mean, it's we're talking about pennies per month uh, to use a service like this. So it's great for, you know, accessing a specific service or if you want to do sort of service to service communication and not really worry about, um, you know, you just don't want to worry about firewalls in general. If you have two different systems and you want to move data back and forth, this allows, um, uh, you know, a service to to make an outbound call to another service and it really is going back down through uh you know a firewall connection but it has no problem going down through there whenever you're actually making those calls you don't even think about it it's all the underlying infrastructure i have handles that and it handles uh you know encryption um everything is encrypted by default um it will automatically even do some protocol switching based on what's available if you know only HTTP is available it'll use that if there's a t you know a, a higher performance tcp connection it can actually bump that up to get a little bit better performance so um we'll include uh, we'll include a show or a, a link in the show notes but this is a technology that i recommend everybody uh check out because it might be something that uh that you can use at some point whenever you're building you know an enterprise service or or even just an application that needs to to access these um and then carl you have the app of the
1: week yep this week it's called copy copy with a k and what problem that this solves is um i know i've had quite a few times where i'm sitting on my phone and i have some text that i really want to get to my computer and i don't really want to email it or i'm not in a spot where i can easily do that or vice versa i'm on my pc and i want to get it to my phone so this is an app both for windows phone uh for windows store or you can uh, go through their website go copy. That's once again uh, copy with a K gocopy.com and um, you can either create an account and stay logged in or they allow you to use QR codes so you can you know make those transfers be anonymous, but it's still pretty slick and uh, seamless. And uh, uh, I've used it a few times and it's you know it's, it solves a very simple problem, but it does it you know in a, in a fairly elegant way. And um, they mentioned that there's students on there and it's a pretty professional looking site, uh, pretty nice app as well. So wow, I recommend does, it.
0: Yeah, this does look good. So yep, I downloaded it and installed it. Oh, wow, this is pretty cool.
1: Yep. So, so made... if you have it, if you have um, the website up, it'll just have a QR code up in the top. You can scan it from within the app and then it just makes an association between the website and, and the app. And once you paste something in one place and hit enter, it goes to the other place.
0: Wow. So this reminds me of, um, what was that app from Nokia that would do this with photos? It was photo.
1: Oh, um, I know what you're talking about, but I. <laughs> it's
0: like photo share or something like that. Yeah. We'll have to, we'll have to put that in the show notes too. Cause I, it, this really reminds me of that. And um, there we go. Paste your text here. Oh, wow. This is really yep. cool.
1: And, and they mentioned that, you know, um, they have a phone, uh, the phone app now, the Windows 8 Store app uh, as well. But they're coming out with Android soon, and they're not sure about uh, iOS at this point. But um, they are thinking about it.
0: Okay. Yeah. I see. I didn't look at this ahead of time. This is really cool. I, I think w- from a from a developer standpoint, I mean, there's there's obviously a lot of uh, ways that you can use this. But I, I think one of the big things to get out of this as well is this this whole concept of using that QR code to do synchronization, right? So you, you have a device in your hand, you have a computer in front of you, that computer might not be yours and you, you want to establish, you know, a line of communication and a a QR code is an amazing way to do that because you can, um, you know, you can, you can generate a QR code on, you know, let's say through the cloud or through a server, you scan that on your device. And now those two devices, you know, you can have that bi-directional communication. So this is, um, this is another good demonstration of that that's why I was mentioning that that Nokia um, photo app, because um, whenever I first started using that, I mean, it was just like magic. Um, What was that app called? I can't remember what it was called. Well, we'll photo, find it. We'll photo, it. Be- photo Beamer. That's what it was called. Yeah. So yeah. What, what you do is you, you know, you end up um, scanning a QR code and then you pick your photos on your phone And then they just show up on the desktop in front of you, which is, which is really amazing. People have really been amazed whenever I show them that. So that was, uh, that was the app of the week. Um, so let's get to plugs. So Anthony, what do you want to plug this week?
2: Oh, wow. Um, there's (laughs) so much, (laughs) no, uh, you know, if you, if you go out and download any of my apps, that'd be great. Uh, definitely if you're in the Northeast Ohio area, come check out the, uh, Omo dev group. You can find it at uh, meetup.com slash omodev and uh check out my uh my tech blog there's always something good popping up on there
0: okay so that's anthonyrussell.info
2: yeah anthonyrussell.info is the uh is my tech blog and uh, you'll find links to my twitter and if you're interested in on uh what i've done on stack overflow you can find links for that on there as well uh you'll also find links for the meetup group on there that's actually probably a great place just go there for everything okay
0: (laughs) that sounds great and uh I am Jason Young. You can find me at ytechie.com or on Twitter. It's twitter.com slash ytechie. Uh, for the show, you can email your feedback to feedback at MSDevShow. How about you, Carl?
1: Yep, you can find me at wpduvguy.com and also at Carl Schweitzer on Twitter.